0: Hey, guess what? It's time for Making Kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Right, fuck everything. Welcome to Making Kayfabe. This is the podcast where we analyse a specific part of wrestling history and then take a stab at rewriting it in a way that is tolerable. My name is Bryce and I'm here once again with my good friend Dylan and this is our third episode spectacular. Dylan, how are you? And are you excited?
1: Uh, I'm very good. I won £2 on a scratch card earlier, so I am riding high on emotions right now. And uh, yes, I'm very excited. Um, I can't wait to hear what you have planned, because I know that you have a vested interest in this storyline, and I really want to hear how you kind of twist it and oh, make yeah. it interesting, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. You, t- t- you say £2 on a scratch card?
1: Yeah, guess That's how much like the, the scratch- max prize. Guess how much the scratch card cost? one pound two (laughs) pounds.
0: he broke even breaking (laughs) even
1: so i'm like that's okay that counts as a win Uh, that's okay
0: (laughs) did you know did you know that most of the world's podcasts don't actually make more than two episodes
1: huh so we're doing pretty well
0: we're already achieving god damn because there's tens of thousands of of millions of podcasts out there but most people give up after two episodes but hey here we are
1: we're dedicated. We've made episode three, baby. <laughs> We're so excited to bring you guys all of our ideas, which are totally accurate and correct.
0: <laughs> and extremely correct. But yes. I've, I've, I've got a doozy for you today. Do you, do, you want, do you want some background? Yes, please. I've got a meaty bit of background for you. So Ooh. this story is actually a story which played a big part in inspiring uh, the Making KFA podcast. So I can't remember for the life of me what issue it was but did you ever read power slam magazine no did you get that in ireland i
1: don't remember but the only one i would read sometimes was the old like wf official magazine Mm. i never really read any because i was like you know 100% wf so like any other wrestling didn't exist
0: Ah, those were great yeah i remember them and split it into raw and smackdown magazines as well i remember that back in the day I used to get myself. I used to get myself down to R.S. McCall's when I was like 12, 13 years old, and I would purchase Power Slam magazine. I would purchase either Raw or SmackDown, and I would purchase. Um, what was the other one? The Pro Wrestling Illustrated is that one of them? I think so. Yeah, I think the PWI 500. But mm. but yeah, Power Slam was a. a great magazine um it was edited by a guy called uh, finn martin um who actually i was hanging out with last year at wrestling MediaCon. but yeah fr- friendly chap uh I, th- I think the best way to put uh finn martin into context is he's basically the british dave Meltzer, um pr- proper encyclopedia of wrestling and he knows all the kind of inside inside shit and yeah he was basically my introduction to like you know other companies of wrestling and just the backstage kind of lingo and stuff like that. And he, he wrote really good articles, and he's got a lot of writers for him, and it was really a cool section. But um, in in Power Slam magazine, uh, like a lot of magazines, you have the the fan mail section where fans get to message in and write whatever they wanted. Uh, there was one short entry from a few years ago uh, about Eugene Dinsmore who touched on what i'm going to touch on now and hopefully flesh out a little bit so do you remember the eugene character
1: yes i do that kind of came in around about the time when i was starting to fade out of wrestling for a little bit so i don't know if that was is part that related
0: of it. yeah <laughs> it could
1: easily be because i remember watching it i'm going this is not the wrestling i remember watching <laughs> you know this isn't quite as exciting as the attitude era, this has taken a strange turn, which I did not expect.
0: Do you have it? What's your kind of overall opinion? What's your stance on the Eugene character?
1: I am just confusion. Mm. I, I don't know why somebody, and this is an opinion shared by many wrestling fans, but I don't know why you would take a guy like Nick Dinsmore. Mm. And go, boy, have I got the gimmick for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a very, and to his credit, he did it well because he's good at what he does. Sure. But, like, it was just such a weird gimmick uh, that was, I thought I found it hard to buy into. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine some other people probably find it hard to buy into as well. Yeah. Um, so I was not a, a big fan.
0: So, yeah, believe it or not. As a as a twelve year old kid. So I I was twelve in two thousand and four when Eugene was kind of doing Don't his give thing. away
1: what age you are.
0: Um I, I was twenty-four yeah. in yeah. two thousand and four. Twenty-four or twelve, one of the two. Yeah. You 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 you, you decide. Yeah. Um but yeah, when in two thousand and four, Eugene was legitimately one of my favorite wrestlers. Um I was still a kid. I, I found him entertaining. Um uh, I, I at that age I didn't really understand uh, the controversy around him and you know uh, i didn't you know i didn't know the kind of um what he was meant to be around from like that i was just a dumb kid uh, and to be honest i don't think it can be denied that he was over um so some of the some of the raw shows i was watching in the WWE network to like catch up eugene got a fucking huge reaction whenever he appeared he was the most overman in the company at one point, I'm pretty sure, which is really weird to think of, considering he's barely mentioned these days. So you touched he touched on it there, like Nick Dinsmore. He was a great wrestler, um you know stuck in a gimmick with a very uh, limited shelf life. Um, at, at one time, Nick Dinsmore was actually seen, um, you know, as the future top technical wrestler of WWE. He was he was a smooth grappler, uh, exceptional arsenal of moves, and people saw a lot of promise in him. Like I've been watching some YouTube clips to kind of catch myself up in Eugene and try and remind remind myself all about him. And there's an interview with Jim Cornette. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um. But J- Jim Cornette. So he 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 actually is nice about this whole thing. He calls Eugene. Uh, sorry, no, sorry. Calls Nick Dinsmore uh, as the standout guy of OVW uh, on the YouTube uh, you Shoot series. He talks about how he would uh, in in two thousand and three or two thousand two or whatever. He talks about how he'd do anything to get Dinsmore signed by the WWE. Uh, bearing in mind he. he Pretty much ran OVW at the time, um, which was o- OVW was Ohio Valley Wrestling. It was one of the uh, kind of developmental territories for WWE, and he, uh, yeah, it's it where guys like uh, Randy Orton and 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 Cena and Batista and and all these guys came from. So Jim Cornette. In an effort to kind of get Nick Dinsmore's name out there, he brought Chris Benoit down to the territory solely to wrestle Nick Dinsmore. And they had a 20-minute match um, without a finish. Um, believe it or not, Rico, Rico Constantino interfered when it looks like uh, Nick had Benoit beat. But the match tore the house down, and it's, it's available on YouTube uh, if you ever want to go and look at it in um, all 144 pixels. Hmm. Um but he also put him in a program with Doug Basham, who was like OVW's top guy at that point. And apparently, Cornette was told that Nick Dinsmore was too plain to be signed by WWE. You know, he didn't have a personality or a gimmick. He was just a wrestler. One, one time, in the same interview, WWE apparently asked Cornette to rate, uh, to, to rate number one to 20 on who should be called up to the main roster. He had Dinsmore at number one. But and this is what Jim says. But WWE instead of going for number one went with 17, 18, and 19, uh, which was Orlando Jordan, Mark Jindrak, and uh, in, in Cornette's words, "Who the fuck else? Who knows?" <laughs> <laughs> He says that Eugene, the Eugene character, ended Nick Dinsmore's career because everyone will look at Eugene, uh, look at him as Eugene, and nobody ever wants that in their promotion if they want to be serious. Which, yeah, kind of spot on, I suppose. Uh, I think the, I think the thing about Benoit is relevant as well because Nick Dinsmore genuinely is a fantastic technical wrestler. His his nickname in OVW was Mister Wrestling. I I watched a great match between him and Rob Conway, which is, in in better quality than the Benoit match. You know, the, the guy could go. Um, Cornette mentions that Dinsmore could have easily been the next Benoit in the same interview, but instead they gave him a career-killing gimmick, uh, as they've done with so many other guys. So,
1: as opposed to a people-killing gimmick like Benoit had, am oh, I right, guys? Can we?
0: Yes. Has, has enough
1: time passed? Can we joke about it now? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, I think it's fair to say that Eugene. He had, a, he had a very limited shelf life basically but I, I think that nick dinsmore could have gone a long way in wrestling which as luck would have it this is what the episode is all about so shall we dive into some uh making kayfabe my friend
1: hells yeah
0: hell yeah all right I, i'm gonna do a brief um a brief catch-up of the character because th- this story is going to start on july 5th 2004 which is two months into eugene being an on-screen character so Here's how we got to this stage. So Eugene debuted on the April 5th, 2004 edition of Raw. William Regal, fucking hero, is given the job of managing the dear boy by Eugene's uh, kayfabe uncle, Eric Bischoff. Regal is less than impressed with the role he's been given. Over the next couple of weeks, we see William Regal training Eugene to be a good wrestler and kind of Rocky-style bideonettes. In his first scheduled match, he defeats Rob Conway on the May 10th edition of Raw in just over three minutes. He then starts a feud with Jonathan Coachman, who is trying to get Eugene banished from WWE. During a segment on the 17th of May edition of Raw, Coachman tells Eugene to go home. He's basically trying to get rid of him. And as Eugene's walking up the ramp, he's crying. The fans are booing Coachman and calling him an asshole. Do you remember who comes out to kind of save the day?
1: Uh, Triple H? Uh,
0: No, The Rock. The Rock. The Rock makes a special guest appearance to stand alongside Eugene. He um he was very rarely in WWE at that point because he retired in uh, 2000 t- technically retired in 2003. His last match was against Stone Cold um, at that WrestleMania 19, I think it was. And yeah,
1: last singles match, right?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, he um didn't really do much after that as far as I'm aware. So this was like a special one-off appearance. So the Rock's music hits and just everyone goes absolutely crazy. Um. The Rock marches Eugene down to the ring and he he says, he he says to Eugene, who's your boy standing in the middle of the ring? Uh, Eugene replies, The Rock. Uh, Who's the people's champ? The Rock asks, to which Eugene responds, The Rock. And then Rock asks, and who is your favourite wrestler of all time? And do you remember who Eugene says? Triple H? Yeah, it says Triple H. <laughs> <Does he? laughs> you, gotta, you gotta wait a second time. Like just, just answer Triple H to everything I ask you from now on. Like, it's to be right. Yeah it's gonna be right at some point. <laughs> uh but yeah, Triple H. He says Triple H is his favourite wrestler, which gets a kind of a uh, surprise pop, basically. Uh but you know, we'll get we'll get to that soon. The feud ends with Eugene defeating Jonathan Coachman at Bad Blood two thousand and four. It's worth noting at this point that the fans were well and truly behind the uh, sympathetic character. They they love Eugene and cheer him every time he's in front of them. He, even his even his manager William Regal, who kind of hated him at the start and was uh, you know just not liking hanging around with Eugene, he he's starting to find a soft spot and and his old villain hearts for the guy. He, he's bringing out the human in our boy Willie Regal. Anyway, this leads us nicely into the July 5th Raw, so July 5th 2004, it emanates from Winnipeg, you idiot, Canada Eugene is the interim general manager so he says, he starts the show by saying, my uncle Eric couldn't be here tonight but he left me in charge so Eric Bischoff isn't there, he leaves Eugene in charge, his nephew Eugene in charge of the show in Eugene's first act as interim general manager for the night, can you guess what he does? Uh, Makes it match against triple h uh no but oh. i'll let it's I'll again because I, I bet you what what kind of match do you think he books i i, I bet you'll get it first time
1: uh, title match
0: cage match incorrect he books a musical chairs match between <laughs> jerry lawler rick <laughs> flair <laughs> stacy ah. keever tyson tomco chris jericho tajiri and jonathan coachman honestly it's the most hilarious thing you, you need to see it do you, do you not remember this
1: no oh, i do not remember uh, this at it all is, it's
0: fucking hilarious i <laughs> it's so good like ha, ha, it's like they've got like chairs set out in the ring so like back-to-back chairs uh like a five maybe five chairs each or something um and they, they play the pop goes the weasel music and they all, everyone in the rings like walking around the chairs and when the music stops you have to always sit down and sit down and sit, sit down in the chairs which is the rules of musical chairs but halfway through, uh, Tajiri is eliminated, so he just like spits the green mist at Jonathan Coachman, who like who spends the next round stumbling around the ring blind. And um oh, it, it's it's an integral part of wrestling history. I like to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch it, man. So good. Anyway, Jericho wins. Um, if you're wondering, by he basically smacks Tomko with one of the chairs and and sits down to win the championship opportunity. Uh,
1: a well-deserved win i think uh, one one of the highlights of his career i would imagine
0: oh yeah totally i mean as we're speaking now he just won the aw he's the first ever aw champion but i mean yeah. we we know for sure like what his real accomplishment was like,
1: like when they when they interview him they're like what do you think about being the all elite wrestling champion and he's like well you know what it's probably the second best thing that ever happened to me
0: <laughs> my second most prestigious accomplishment yeah <laughs> Because like he he can be the only, he can't be the only AEW World Champion. He's going to lose that belt at some point. But I guarantee he will be the only Musical Chairs winner in Raw history.
1: Yeah, I, so, would, I would agree with that.
0: So there you go. So, so
1: hopefully he's the
0: only one who wins. <laughs> fingers crossed. Unless we get a surprise return of Eugene, but. Um, so heads up um, our good friend Triple H is a huge part of the story, uh, you'll see why soon so l- later in the night we see Eugene's his first interaction with Triple H which takes place on a bounty castle in the backstage area so uh, using his influence as Eugene's favourite wrestler Triple H he convinces the interim general manager to book a match uh, pitting Edge and Chris Benoit versus Triple H, Ric Flair and Eugene himself hmm. And he says to Ric Flair, trust me, Rick, when this is over, everyone's going to see my vision. Uh, it's worth noting here that Triple H has a match against the world heavyweight champion, Chris Benoit coming up in six days at Vengeance. So late, later in the night, Triple H suckers Eugene up saying that he's done a great job as general manager. Uh, now, It's worth noting that the storyline here seemingly is that Triple H is trying to get Eugene on his side because Eugene's a a great tool to have in Triple H's quest to win back the World Heavyweight title, which is still held by Benoit. So Eugene's, he's undefeated at this point. He's won a lot of matches. Um, He's on a roll. Uh, He's very popular and uh, Triple H is basically trying to take advantage of that, it seems, at this point. That doesn't sound like Triple H. Right. Uh, The Triple H? Is this the same Triple H we're talking about? Stand-up
1: guy, Triple H, nicest man in the room.
0: Babyface. Babyface, Triple H, yeah. Especially 2004. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, re- referencing past events, so things that happened previously, Triple H uh, coaxes Eugene. He's like, do you remember when Edge said he wanted to take down evolution? He meant you, because you're a part of evolution now. And you know who's even worse? Chris Benoit. Remember when he hit you in the head with a steel chair? It hurt, didn't it? So he's trying to mould Eugene into his own personal monster. Um, he says that Benoit and Edge everybody who's ever picked on you, hurt you humiliated you, laughed at you so they do the match and the match ends with a ref bump uh, Triple H grabs the chair, Benoit's fighting back, Eugene then grabs the chair and as Eugene is about, about to hit Benoit Benoit manages to talk him out of it. So, conflicted, Eugene exits the ring, Triple H pulls Benoit into the pedigree position, Benoit reverses and locks in the sharpshooter, so they're in Canada, so the Canada Special, um, where, of course, uh, where Eugene enters the ring and whacks Benoit in the back of the chair, uh, triple H pedigrees Benoit one two three Flare triple H uh, they celebrate with Eugene to end the show where Eugene is is clearly conflicted over what he's just done so he's he's mortified that he's just attacked Benoit with a chair because he never wanted to do that um, and that very much sets the tone for the storyline so takes us on to Vengeance 2004 July 11th. Uh, This this features Benoit defending his uh, World Heavyweight Championship against Triple H. So earlier in the show, Triple H again tries to manipulate Eugene into hating Chris Benoit, uh, again reminding him that Benoit smashed him in the head of a steel chair. He calls Benoit a liar. He promises Eugene that they together will put an end to Chris Benoit. Evolution is your friend, not Chris Benoit. Main event time. So after a tug of war... Uh, with Chris Benoit over a steel chair, Eugene accidentally smacks Triple H square in the forehead with a foreign object, leading to a Benoit victory via roll-up. Weirdly, um, Triple H gets yeah hit by a chair and Benoit rolls him up for a victory, which is fucking weird. Um, the match went the match went 29 minutes and six seconds, uh, believe it or not, is a hugely lengthy match for any era of WWE. Uh, Brian Alvarez of F4W Online wrote at the time: "The Hunter Benwa match was really a backdrop for the continuation of the Eugene storyline." So, in that sense, it was a disappointment. Uh, he suggests that WWE did a bad job with Avengers' main event, as all it really achieved was setting up Raw the next night. Um, and in fact, sorry, I've got a quick sidebar before I before I forget this little kind of tidbit. Did, did you know that Eugene? I found this out of my research. Did you know that Eugene was based on a real wrestling fan? No, Hmm. I saw this I saw this tweet Um, it's a true story so he's based on a guy called Eugene Palermo uh, who was a huge wrestling fan uh, with Down syndrome uh, who was the son of a referee uh, Bucky Palermo I think his name was so during the during the '90s, he was always in attendance in uh, I think Pittsburgh uh, WWE shows. Uh, Bucky used to take his son backstage to events so he could meet the wrestlers. You know, he's, a, he's a massive fan. Um, and there's even a, there's a photograph uh, I found of uh, the real Eugene walking Owen Hart to the ring uh, in the mid '90s. Ah,
1: huh.
0: yeah, true story. So That's his, true. his name is Eugene.
1: Get that photo. Put it on the on the show.
0: Yeah, totally. I'll stick it. I'll stick it in the Twitter. Actually, yeah, it's a really cool thing. It's cool to see that 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 is literally who he is based on because that that boy's name is Eugene, and obviously Eugene is the character. So, um, yeah, cool, cool little, cool little fun fact. That is uh, good.
1: I like that. That's good.
0: But uh, back to the story. Uh, hey. So, uh, July twelfth, the show opens with Evolution fuming backstage after last night. Uh, nobody touches Eugene until I do. Hunter says, uh, "Eugene, costs- oh, that's disgusting." ah if you know what i mean um (laughs) hunter says fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) eugene cost me the world heavyweight championship nobody lost more than i did when eugene walked through that door you all follow my leads eugene enters the evolution locker room apologizing for his actions at vengeance don't worry eugene everyone makes mistakes we're not mad triple h reassures dinsmore uh, you know, Triple H says that Eric Bischoff is very mad at him, though, and that he better go and see him right away. Eugene apologises again before he leaves. And as soon as the door shuts, Evolution are again furious, demanding an answer to why they had to follow Triple H's lead when they could have just taken Eugene out right there. Uh, Tripp sets up with a great cliffhanger. He says, when you hear what Uncle Eric tells him, trust me, you'll all understand. So a few minutes pass in the show and Eugene visits his uncle, Eric Bischoff. And Bischoff says, Eugene... You made an honest mistake. I couldn't be more proud of you. Uncle Eric was so proud that he books Eugene in a match for the World Heavyweight Championship against Chris Benoit that night. So we cut to William Regal later in the show, confronting Chris Benoit in the back. So at this point, so William Regal has a soft spot for Eugene, obviously. He's very fond of the boy. He's very he's very protective of him. So uh, he says to Benoit that he didn't care what Benoit thought of him, but he did care what he thought about Eugene. He knows that Evolution and Eric Bischoff are up to no good, and that Triple H has got on the side of Eugene's mind. He doesn't want anything bad to happen to Eugene. Regal wanted to know what Chris Benoit planned on doing to Eugene, and the Crippler replies saying that he'd do whatever it took to win the belt. And before before the main event, Benoit meets with Eugene and says he just wants a wrestling match. No steel chairs, no brass knuckles, or anything like that. Just a wrestling match. So then we have it. We have Eugene versus Benoit for the World Heavyweight Championship. Eight minutes into the match, that music hits, you know, evolution is a mystery. And evolution coming to interfere. So Triple H, Ric Flair, Randy Orton and Batista, they enter the ring and triple H, uh Adex, Eugene. The group started beating the holy hell out of both Benoit and Eugene, and it's one its one hell of a beatdown. Like, William Miegel comes out to save Eugene. He's, he's laying heavy lefts and rights into Randy Orton before Batista attacks him from behind. Eugene gets an RKO, a Batista bomb, and then he gets busted wide open and then gets the pedigree to wrap things up. So Eugene does, that, like, a massive blade job. He's got, like, the crimson mask uh, as a result of being beaten up by his favourite wrestler and his posse. And that's how the show ends. He's, he's, he's got to shake it out of my evolution.
1: <laughs> poor guy.
0: Poor guy. Poor guy. He's not the first and he's not the last. Uh, so July 19th, we open the show with clips of Evolution basically murdering Eugene last week. Triple <laughs> he H he comes out uh, on, on his own and cuts the promo on Eugene. He speculates that Eugene was probably at home or on the couch this week watching Raw with his mum. Uh, and he also has something special to say to him. He says, Eugene, I hate you. I was never your friend. I don't like you. Evolution doesn't like you. You're never part of evolution. Evolution hates you, Eugene. I hate you, Eugene. Everyone hates you, Eugene. What a fucking bastard, eh? I mean, he's really letting it on thick. He's been really mean, like, too mean, I think. But yeah. Yeah, I,
1: yeah it, I, it seems a little bit, that's an overkill, isn't yeah. it?
0: Oh, Poor Eugene. Yeah, uh, that—that's not even it though. Triple H also wears some footage on the Titantron from last week of Eugene getting stretchered out after the beating, and the footage shows William Regal literally shedding tears as he watches Eugene get taken at the rank by medical personnel. Like, fucking hell, man! you, you know this, but William Regal is so good. He mm-hmm. he he's literally crying on. He's phones crying on screen, and like you can tell the emotion. Like he feels so bad to the boy, and um and yeah, the best the best is still to come from him, my friend Um from from William Regal, but yeah, Eric Bischoff comes out and, having spoken to his sister, confirms that his nephew Eugene will never be on Raw again. And remember that that'll be important later. Bischoff announces that next week on Raw, Chris Benoit is going to defend his title against Triple H in a 60-minute Iron Man match. And then, and then, William Regal comes out, and he says, he walks down to the ring and says, "Eugene, I hope you're watching, dear boy, because this is for you." Regal beats up Triple H, kicking him out of the ring and following him. Uh, landing lefts and rights and lefts and rights, smashing his face into the steps. Regal basically goes berserk until security come out to stop him. I l- I fucking love William Regal. Uh, he he is brilliant. And yeah, there's uh, more to come from him very soon. But on the July 26th edition of Raw, there wasn't really much mentioned uh, in regards to Eugene uh, until until the very end, where Triple H had the uh, you know 60 minute Iron Man match with Chris Benoit. So. During the Ironman match, Eugene interfered with three minutes and 25 seconds to spare. Uh, the referee down and Evolution attacking Benoit. And I shit you not, Eugene was gone for one week and he returned to, to the biggest pop I've ever heard. Like, gigantic pop. Like, you can't, it's like The Rock coming back, or it's like, you know. A a pop you get for Hulk Hogan coming back or something like that. It was huge. It's a massive pop, and the crowd.
1: I have to to hear this because, for you to say that it's the biggest pop you've ever heard, I gotta hear this pop, man. Yeah, like
0: I gotta look this up. Look it up, July, July twenty-sixth raw. I I shit you not. Like, make sure to watch it after the uh, after the musical chairs match, of course.
1: Of course, (laughs) course.
0: (laughs) it goes without saying, Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, the crowd, the crowd's chanting his name. They're going absolutely crazy for him. He he single-handedly takes out Evolution and and even takes out his uncle Eric Bischoff and and he ends Triple H with a fucking brutal chair shot to the head. Um, Triple H gets like half a hand up to block it. It's like back in the day where headshots were fine um, before all of the research was done and realised that being hit in the head by a metal object actually quite bad for you. But hmm, yeah, who, who knew? But. Yeah, Benoit covers Triple H and retains the World Heavyweight Championship. August second draw, Triple H opens the show and vents about Eugene screwing up his chances to win the night his ninth world championship. He starts screaming Eugene, Eugene, Eugene over and over again, daring him to come out. And then Royan Miguel shows up again, and it's that promo. Oh, that promo? promo! See,
1: we we know exactly what promo this is because. We have discussed this promo at length for years. It is
0: such a good promo.
1: We will like routinely, like every every so often, go, "Hey, remember this?" and just like post it to each other. I'm like, ah, yes. and just like honestly, like, it's bloody
0: brilliant. Just it is it is the best promo of William Regal's career, easily. It, it,
1: in like in, in be, being realistic here, let's be real. You don't have to go look up the uh, musical chair thing, but it would. Really benefit you to go and check out this promo by William Regal. Trust us when we say this. It's incredible. It's, it's worth listening to.
0: Goosebumps. Yes. Honestly, when I was watching this, I've got goosebumps on my arms just watching because it's so good. But. It, so yeah it's, it's amazing but he, he comes out and he's uh, when Triple H is going crazy in the ring Regal comes out and he's like dear 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 someone has lost their temper haven't they he, he drops the bomb that Eugene isn't here this week and goes on and cuts yeah, th- this promo what 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 kind of a man do you think would let Eugene into the building last week what kind of a diabolical villain do you think would tell Eugene to get involved in your match it was me sunshine Ah. Oh i'm getting goosebumps now just even thinking about it is that good a promo it is just i mean it is, yeah. it's a
1: beautiful thing man if you guys haven't seen it already go out of your way to look it up you know it's, it's incredible
0: it. it's mm. incredible but he, he cuts the promo and he challenges triple h to, um, august um august 2nd Rob, by the way whoever wants to look up august 2nd 2004 william regal promo it's on youtube somewhere um but he challenges triple h to a match which uh Later in the night, technical lasts about ten seconds as Triple H decks William Regal for a set of brass knuckles, leading to a disqualification. Regal wow, he, gets—he—he—he he, he, he regaled William Regal. He, he out-regaled William Regal.
1: Unbelievable, motherfucker! Have you seen that? By the way, it's my favorite. It, that's my favorite Regal thing. It's on YouTube. This is a sidebar. I'm sorry, that's but right. like, it's like it's titled like the greatest match in WWF history, and it's like William Regal comes down. And like right before the bell, like he just walks into the ring, punches the guy in the face with the brass knocks. and then he's like, ring the bell. So <laughs> the referee rings the bell, and he pins him, and then just like, <laughs> his music plays again. and He walks away. I'm like, son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> Do you remember who it was?
1: Oh, I don't. I really don't. Um, but uh, it's really funny.
0: I've got, I've got something similar to that. Do you remember the one where Eugene? Uh, sorry, not Eugene. William uh I think it's a match against Big Show. And, like, so he's he's standing uh, face to face with Big Show and he decks Big Show with the brass knuckles. And Big Show is knocked out. He, like, falls back against the ropes. So Big Show falls back against the ropes and yeah. then he bounces off the ropes, falls forward, and, like, lands in William Regal. And he, <laughs> the referee's, like, counts one, two, three. The, Regal can't kick out because he's got 500 pounds of Big Show on top of him because he's knocked him out. That's but. great. I need to. I'll I'll find that and send it and put on the Twitter. But we'll that's, put that's on
1: Twitter too. Make sure you check out our Twitter page to get all of this uh, premium content.
0: Yeah, this is not this is not William Regal podcast. time.
1: The guy deserves his own podcast. You know, he does.
0: He does. One of us will do William Regal very soon. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he deserves it, but. Yeah, so Regal gets uh, he gets busted open by the brass knuckles and it leads to Triple H uh, going to grab a sledgehammer. Uh, H brings the sledgehammer into the ring as Regal crawls, blood pouring from his forehead towards the brass knuckles, but unfortunately, as soon as he, get, as soon as he gets his hand on them, Triple H strikes him with a sledgehammer. Uh, Triple H beats the shit out of Regal. Regal sells it like absolute death, his blood all over the ring canvas. He gets stretched out, but during... When he's getting stretchered out, Triple H is screaming into his face. He says, you tell Eugene, this is what he's got coming. Triple H then flips the stretcher that William Regal is strapped to. So with William Regal on it. So he basically faceplants William Regal uh, with stretcher on top of him. But later in the show, Eric Bischoff asks Triple H to do the same thing to his nephew Eugene, booking him in a match for SummerSlam 2004. He's a shit uncle, ain't not he? That's one way to put it. August 9th Raw, the final Raw before SummerSlam. We see Eugene and William Regal in a hotel room, so Regal is heavily bruised and battered from the week before. Uh, Eugene tries to convince Regal for them to go to the arena for Raw, but Regal rejects, saying that they'll just get ambushed by evolution. Regal leaves the room, and Eugene immediately disobeys and heads for the arena. When, what? what? Uh, when Eugene gets to the arena, he heads to the ring and calls out Triple H. Uh, hunter doesn't appear in the ring but he does appear in the titan tron they exchange words before triple h reveals why he is not in the arena and that's because he is in eugene and william regal's hotel room Uh he's got poor william regal tied up who then takes another beating from the game which eugene can do nothing about so he kicks the shit out of him again Mm -hmm. poor guy and and he says at Summerslam, i'll put you out of business myself for good Eugene freaks out and runs to the back. The main event for the show was supposed to be Eugene and Chris Banwa versus Triple H and Randy Orton, but Eugene had gone back to the hotel room to check in where you seemingly. So it ended up a handicap match for Banwa against Hunter and Orton. However, it's not long before Eugene comes back to another huge pop... He spears Triple H and beats the crap out of him and Evolution. That's how the show ends, with Eugene cleaning house on the go-home show before SummerSlam. The the, the show literally ends when Eugene's like doing this. I think the last thing you see is that Eugene hitting Ric Flair for Stone Cold Stunner. Um, The show just ends there. It's brilliant. Um, But yeah, that's that's how you set up a match. And then SummerSlam 2004, August 15th happens. um, At SummerSlam, Triple H beats Eugene in a pretty meh match. Um... I guess uh, hunt, it disposes of Eugene in 1406 after a bit of hoo-ha on the outside of the ring and that's that really hmm. that's it um, and then you know after that Eugene doesn't really do much of uh, no, he he pretty much cooled off right after SummerSlam L- later he would go on to feud with his uncle Eric Bischoff leading to a, a hair versus hair match at Taboo Tuesday uh, where Eric got his head shaved he'd He'd won the tag team titles of William Regal on the November fifteenth, two 2004 edition of RAW, uh, beating Lardis Dance, but would soon have to get him up after legitimately uh, rupturing his left patellar ligament uh, at January at New Year's Revolution 2005. Um, He basically, he landed wrong after a dropkick, and just, he went down like immediately clutching his leg, but um, to to his credit, if I remember right, he actually finishes the match, he, he He's like on one leg, trying to. Um, I forget. I forget who he's uh, who he's fighting at the time. But he basically rolled somebody up while having like a, a leg which is like bent because he's snapped a ligament, basically. Um, but he's done a good job. So he's he's a he's a tough lad, or, or Eugene. Yeah. But yeah, um, he would return uh, that July to a feud with Kurt Angle, leading to him fighting Kurt at SummerSlam for his Olympic gold medals, and <laughs> Kurt Angle literally beat the fuck out of him, like. Have you seen this match, Kurt Angle versus Eugene?
1: No, I'll be honest with you, dude. The the number of Eugene matches
0: I've seen is uh, disappointingly low. You need to watch the first 30 seconds of this match. Kurt Angle, I, I genuinely think he like, shoots on Eugene almost there. He, he smacks him so hard at the start of the match. Just fucking decks him and like has him in the mat. He's beating the shit out of him. It's so weird to see. Uh, somebody pissed Kurt off that night or something I don't know but it was so like snug and stiff with you in the match it's, uh, it's awful but also awesome because fucking love Kurt Angle but that that was um that that was his his last big deal in WWE. He um he'd soon get caught by uh, WWE's drug policy uh, after passing out in a hotel lobby in Manchester, admitting to taking prescription drugs, including Soma, uh, which is the muscle relaxer commonly used by many wrestlers to help alleviate aches and pains. And that was pretty much it for Eugene. But what if things were different? You know, what, what if there was a way to salvage Nick Dinsmore's career and not have him defined by his run as Eugene for the rest of his career? Shall we make some kayfabe, my friend?
1: I like it. So where is your storyline going to pick up from?
0: My storyline happens from... So so. I, let me tell you, So, you, in my version of events, Eugene is still a thing. So it happens. Uh, it's a character which had its flaws but you know it was hugely over with WWE fans and i genuinely believe if if it was kept brief it could have had a, a much brighter legacy in wrestling than the gimmick that you know basically fucked nick dinsmore over but my, my, my version of events go back to the uh, july 12th episode of ross remember when i was saying that eugene got the fuck kicked out of him by evolution yes so that, that's where we begin. So uh, here's exactly how you make success out of the storyline, in my opinion. And um, So here we go. So July 12th episode of Raw. So everything that happened in July 12th episode of Raw, it still happens. So Eugene still gets the fuck beat out of him by evolution. He's left in a bloody pulp. He's decimated. Um, he's destroyed. He's uh, eliminated. Uh, Chris Benoit is sad William Eagle is crying you know being the most uh, underutilized on-screen talent in the history of pro wrestling like he usually does Uh, Mm -hmm. whatever so however there's one monumental difference coming out of this segment and that is that this is the last we ever see of Eugene in a WWE ring this is Eugene's farewell to WWE the character ends there so, Eugene debuted on the 5th of April, so this gives the character a good run of 11 weeks in the main roster, uh, it's long enough to establish the character in a sympathetic light, uh, long enough for the fans to know who he is, but also uh, not long enough for people to get bored of him and not give a shit when Kurt Angle kicks the fuck out of him uh, a year later, Um the last thing we see is Eugene busted open, unconscious. Uh, you've got the, the the paramedics attending to him, stretching him out of the arena, and the, the fans are chanting, Eugene, Eugene, Eugene. You know, they love him. Next week on Raw, July 19th, Triple H opens the show and cuts his promo. So he's still doing the same promo. He's bragging about how he took advantage of Eugene uh, to be on his side and then beat the crap out of him when he didn't need him any longer. He plays the video clips of Eugene being stretchered and William Regal in floods of tears. Great, do that. Um, get a bag of sympathy for the character and the people connected with him, it will serve us well later. Eric Bischoff comes out and announces that after speaking to his sister, uh, Eugene's mother of course, he uh, confirms that his nephew Eugene will never appear in the WWE ever again. So this actually happened of course, this is what uh, Eric Bischoff announced uh, on the the actual July 19th episode of Raw. So yeah the crowd booed, they were looking forward to seeing Eugene getting his revenge on Triple H the two heels standing in the ring, smirking at the news. Triple H has officially ended the career of fan favorite Eugene. What a bastard! So, by the by, we have um, so, uh, including this episode of Raw, we we're left with four weeks until SummerSlam. So this is where things start to get quite interesting. So later in the show, it's announced that Triple H will be fighting Chris Benoit for the World Heavyweight Championship, uh, and it's going to be it's still going to be a sixty minute Iron Man match, just like real life. Um, Triple H, to my knowledges, uh, at this stage has never, ever wrestled in a 60-minute Ironman match at this stage and uh, has had, uh, I'd put money on this, zero matches which lasted as long as an hour so that he's been a major part in. So so what does he do? He, how, how can he prepare for an Ironman match with only a week's notice? Uh, well, he seeks advice from the person who has wrestled plenty of 60-minute Ironman matches in his time, his best friend and Evolution stablemate, Ric Flair. So, after he cuts his promo, he heads to the Evolution locker room. And to his abject shock and horror, he finds Ric Flair bloody, beaten, and battered on the floor. There's nobody else in the locker room, of course. Flair is all on his own and completely unconscious. The person who did attack Flair has fled the scene. Uh, Triple H calls for help before attending h- to his friend. He's trying to, he's slapping him in the face, trying to get him to come to. So, Flair is lying on his front. So, Triple H flips him onto his back. And upon doing so, finds uh, an envelope attached to the front of uh, Ric Flair's chest. And the letter, has, the letter has three letters on it. Triple H uh, It's addressed to Triple H himself. Triple H opens the letter and finds a note inside. He holds it up and the camera gets a good look at it. And the note reads, simply, you've made a huge mistake, Paul.
1: Ooh, using that's, his
0: real name. Yeah, using his real name. So that's it. Nothing else freaky you know who, who is it who could it be what's going on like,
1: that, yeah let's be honest here triple h at that point in his career has uh probably amassed plenty of enemies
0: oh yeah it's several at this stage there's probably one or two people could who be anybody this. exactly could be anybody so we move on to the july 26th edition of raw so it's revealed that rick flair didn't see who attacked him last week because he was attacked from behind of a steel chair uh, Rick Flair is still in hospital due to the intense beatdown he suffered, so he can't make it to the arena this week. So uh, Evolution are without without Flair. So Triple H has seen he's seen throughout the night talking to Rick on the phone, making sure he's all right, and constantly asking if he's noticed anything about his attacker. Obviously, he's curious as to who would do such a thing, uh, but Flair knows nothing. The, ga- the game has other things on his mind anyway. Uh, Evolution have a match scheduled later in the night. It's Triple H, Randy Orton and Star against, let's say, uh, Benoit Edge and Shelton Benjamin. So we get to the main event. Uh, Chris Benoit Edge and Shelton Benjamin come out ready to fight. And then Triple H comes out. And then Batista is with him. But where's Orton? He's probably right behind him. He's not right behind him. That's the thing. <laughs> Orton doesn't appear. He's get out of, time. Out of town, right? Get out of town. He's nowhere. He's not there. He's not anywhere. So Triple H and Batista, they're they're forced the rest of the match is a handicap match, similar to the July fifth Raw, where uh, you know he Triple H was on the advantageous side of a handicap match. So um, all the while Triple H and Batista are looking towards the ramp, expecting Orton to run down and save them. You know, maybe maybe he's late, then maybe he missed a flight, maybe he's caught in traffic. Who knows? Um, Towards the end of the match Triple H is about to hit Shelton Benjamin with a pedigree But as soon as he's about to hit it Footage plays on the big screen Of Randy Orton being attacked Backstage (gasps) With a steel chair But who's attacking him? Well, whoever's attacking him Has a mask over their face So it's impossible to work out who it is So Orton's screaming in pain As he's hit with chair shot after chair shot After chair shot after chair shot When the beatdown's finished, the masked man he forces the camera person to, to point the camera to the arena wall, where a message is spray painted in, in thick black paint. And the message reads, do you know what the message reads? The message reads, Two down, two to go. oh So he then delivers a final stomp to Wharton and then flees the scene. This this distracts Triple H long enough to be rolled up and beaten by Shelton Benjamin again. Uh, this would be the third time uh, that Shelton Benjamin's beaten him in recent weeks. So uh, Triple H is isn't in isn't it? a hell of a situation now. What, what can he possibly do to stop this?
1: He could um, retire gracefully
0: and Ooh. go home. That's it. Call call it a career.
1: Yeah, he's a pretty good run. Now somebody's after him. He could call the police.
0: <laughs> that would be the logical thing to do. And most guys, my <laughs> name
1: <laughs> I'm Triple H. Everybody hates me. Please protect me. And they That's
0: were like, it. okay. There we go. But unfortunately he doesn't call the police, so <laughs> August August second edition of Raw. So now Triple H is terrified. So Flair's been taken out, Orton's been taken out. There's only one stable mate left, and it's Big Dave Batista. So Triple H is gonna do everything he can to protect himself, which means protecting Big Dave. Uh because whoever's attacking these evolution members, well they're clearly out for him eventually. So he starts getting paranoid, who's doing this to him, who could possibly be trying to avenge what Triple H did to Eugene, who cares that much about him, what kind of diabolical villain would start attacking Evolution members in an effort to fuck with Triple H, so of course William Regal, he thinks William Regal's doing all of this, so fearing for his life, Triple H does not go to the arena that week, he's not live on Raw, instead uh, through his inside sources in WWE, so he was married to Stephanie McMahon for less than a year at this stage uh, which of course came with its uh, perks and benefits uh, mm. he finds out where William Regal was staying that night while well in town for Raw so much like in how the storyline really happened Triple H barges into William Regal's locker room and him and Batista kick seven shades of shit out of him, Regal of course <laughs> Regal just doesn't get a break like, even in late like yeah. night. Man- and he gets the fuck out of him even when we're uh,
1: changing history still he down still gets it shake. still,
0: he's a great sympathetic character Like <laughs> uh, Regal, he, he of course sells it masterfully, well Triple H questions him again and again and again is it you, have you been attacking evolution? Regal denies it uh, he's still getting beaten down but he says, he lets it slip that he does know who it really is Uh, He knows who's been attacking Evolution But before Triple H can get an answer out of Regal Regal is beaten unconscious By a stiff right hand from Batista So he's unconscious, he can't see Batista, you idiot But what are you like, Batista? You've done it again Every time But immediately afterwards You get a notification sound uh, Heard on Triple H's phone So, uh, like a text message sound So Triple H pulls a phone out from his pocket Because he's received a text message He reads it out and you know what it says, it says that was a very stupid thing to do, I'll make you pay for that at SummerSlam. Again, cliffhanger ending, we still don't know who's done it, we still don't know who's attacked, who's attacked Randy Orton, we don't know who's attacked Ric Flair, and we don't know who's out for Triple H basically, who who could it be? August 9th Raw, and this is the, uh, this is the final Raw before SummerSlam, Throughout the show, we see Triple H talking to random people backstage. With Batista keeping an eye out for potential attackers, so uh, Batista's basically watching, keeping guard of, um, keeping guard of uh, Triple H at the moment because you know Triple H is shitting himself, and Batista's also shitting himself because he doesn't want to get attacked either. So Triple H is trying to find out who is doing this to him, but he has no luck, and he's getting he's getting more and more frustrated as the night goes on. So at the end of the show. Triple H, accompanied by his one remaining stable mate, Batista, he comes out and demands to know who is trying to send a message to him. He, he angrily summons Eugene. He, he calls out Regal again um, because Regal, apparently, he let slip that he knows who has done it. But you know, Regal's uh, unconscious or, or, or like, you know, basically in the hospital. Uh, he blames Benoit. He's, he's blaming literally anyone he can. Uh, anyone he can think of to who may be behind this, he's clutching at straws. Basically, he's losing his mind. Eventually, he says, "Whoever the hell is behind this, I'm going to give you one opportunity to show your face before I find you. If you show your face now, I might even show mercy. Show your damn face!" And as he's ranting and raving in the ring, somebody appears in the Titantron. Somebody the fans don't recognize, who they have never seen before, on the Titantron is an old lady who, who appears to be in her late 50s, like early 60s maybe. Triple H is baffled. Uh, is, is this the person behind the attacks? Has this woman single-handedly beaten up Ric Flair and Randy Orton? Who the hell are you? Triple H asks. Uh, the woman smiles. Uh, and by the way, I, I don't know who plays the old woman on this in the scene. Just, just hire a fucking actress. Um, she, she replies to the game. She says... Triple H, I don't believe we've met, my name is Maureen Dinsmore and I am the mother of Eugene Dinsmore. Now, don't worry, it's not me who's been attacking evolution, that would be ridiculous. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) That, That would be ridiculous, I'm just an old lady. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <But I'm, laughs> I, I love that she has to clarify
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, how ridiculous that would be like you know i'm being realistic here yeah uh, but she says i bet you'll be wanting to know wanting to know who really took out your buddies these past few weeks huh so she says uh, I-, I wasn't lying when i told my brother that my son eugene would never appear in a wwe ring again after what you did to him triple H." I realised that maybe being under under the care of my, his Uncle Eric every Monday night probably isn't the best thing for Eugene at this stage of his life. So I apologise to the WWE fans, but I simply cannot allow my son Eugene to wrestle again. As his mother, I have to take care of him. It would be foolish of me to put my boy with special needs in harm's way again. Then there's a pause. Maybe some fans boo. Meanwhile, Triple H is he's hanging over the top rope waiting for her to get to the point to reveal who laid out Ric Flair and Randy Orton. And then Maureen Dinsmore drops the bomb. She says, But Eugene's brother Nick, well, he's appearing on Raw right now, and he's not very happy about what you did to his little brother, Triple H. And then here's the payoff. Appearing behind Triple H and Batista is none other than Nick Dinsmore himself. Damn. Let me make this clear. Nick Dinsmore, not Eugene. It's absolutely the same person biologically. It's the same person playing the role. But in kayfabe, this is Eugene's very pissed off big brother, ready, yeah, to, yeah ready, click. Like-
1: Sorry, they're like two different characters, two totally different characters.
0: Exactly. So yeah, he, he appears in the ring and he's ready to kind of um, get revenge on Triple H. So he's he's not got the gone is the gone is the wacky hairdo that Eugene had. So Nick Nick Dinsmore shaved his head and a much more kind of serious look. He's uh he's clean shaven now uh, to set himself further apart from Eugene's character. The, the white jacket and the blue trunks that Eugene wore are gone. Nick Dinsmore's wearing he's wearing like jeans and a t-shirt or something. Oh, and he's got a steel chair as well.
1: Oh, of course. So, to yeah. complete the look, you know. To complete really the look, he's got a steel yeah. chair.
0: And uh, as, as Batista and Triple H turn around, Dinsmore wraps the steel chair around the cranium of Batista. Batista falls to the mat as Dinsmore turns to Triple H. But the fact that Dinsmore went from Batista first gives Triple H the chance to flee. Uh, he escapes under, underneath the bottom rope and, and he runs runs from the chaos. So he leaves Batista behind as Nick Dinsmore levels the monster of chair shot after chair shot after chair shot after chair shot, shot, each one harder than the last, and the fans, of course, are going absolutely mental. After the cheers has been reduced to a warped mess, Nick Dinsmore points to Triple H, who is watching, you know, in horror on the ramp. The camera zooms into Nick Dinsmore's face, he shouts at Triple H, he shouts SummerSlam. And then he launches the destroyed steel chair up the ramp and it lands Triple H's feet and the show ends with Nick Dinsmore pacing around the ring, locking eyes with Triple H, you know, the perfect setup to Summerslam. So then we have it, it's Summerslam, we have Nick Dinsmore, Nick Dinsmore versus Triple H and the two have a great match which starts out with Dinsmore basically beating the hell out of Triple H and uh, using his technical abilities to reverse every hold that Triple H tries to apply Um Towards the end of the match Triple H is busted open uh, He decides that enough is enough And like a big old heel He intentionally causes harm to the referee So let's say it's Earl Hebner for, for the sake of argument it's Always
1: El Hebner, always
0: Erl Hebner. Uh, So earl er- Hebner stands in the corner of the ring Whilst Triple H is struggling to keep up With the technical the technical prowess of Nick Dinsmore Triple H manages to briefly overcome Dinsmore And Irish whips him into the corner Obviously crushing Earl Hebner For a nicely timed ref bump So Taking advantage of our distracting Nick Dinsmore who checks on the ref which pulls him into a pedigree uh, which will keep him down for the meantime. And then he does the classic Triple H trick. He exits the ring and starts looking under the ring. Seconds later he pulls out a sledgehammer to thunder his booze from the crowd. He smirks and is about to slide into the ring with a weapon to use against Nick Dinsmore whilst the referee recovers but then a hand appears on his shoulder. Triple H turns around the crowd goes wild. It's William Regal.
1: I thought you were going to say it was Eugene. Uh, so, it like, <laughs> would not have been. Cause then, then you're like, well, they really are two different characters. And then the whole crowd are like, shit, dude, we really got worked.
0: <laughs> it's Eugene's mother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> she hits Triple A to the chair. Oh, oh
0: no, you don't. <laughs> Come back here, Sonny. Uh, so Regal's, Regal's still showing the physical damage inflicted him in the hotel room two weeks ago. But... Despite it all, he's levelling Triple H with hard lefts and rights. Bam, 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 causing Triple H to drop a sledgehammer. He rolls Triple H into the ring, where a recovered Nick Dinsmore's waiting. Dinsmore hits Triple H with a picture-perfect bridging German suplex, which was the finisher in OVW, by the way. Uh, as the referee counts uh, one, he counts two, he counts three. Nick Dinsmore has avenged his brother Eugene, and has pinned one of WWE's biggest stars at the time. Um, one of its biggest stars ever, actually. Uh, at one of the biggest uh, pay-per-views of the year. So yeah, Nick Dinsmore pins Triple H and to be honest, like Triple H was losing to fucking everyone back then. Uh, he was losing to Regal, he was losing to Shelton Benjamin twice uh, he lost to Eddie Guerrero, Owen Spacer that year, uh, and he still had a lot of his heel heat because he was the leader of the biggest heel faction of the decade. So a loss like this, where there's technically a little help from William Muggo, it wouldn't really affect him too much. Uh, on top of that, it gives Nick Dinsmore, not Eugene, a great platform to take off from his debut match in WWE. Uh, maybe, maybe to keep the fans happy, you can have a little maybe a pre-recorded clip of Eugene celebrating his brother's win uh, back home in Indiana with his mother um you know cut to Eric Bischoff backstage with his head and his hands really make a whole moment out of this and that's it really so the Eugene character is long gone and Nick Densmore has the opportunity to become you know solid upper mid-carder or even main eventer in WWE for years to come
1: yeah i that's like it. it i like it i mean you you did a good job of like You know, keeping a lot of the um, the the story beats from the original um, Eugene storyline, which was like Triple H and William Regal's involvement, you kind of kept all of that in place. But you also were able to like put to bed the Eugene character, which, like we covered, had like a had a short shelf life anyway. Mm. So you know, it, it it was a fun way to get Nick Dinsmore into the company. And then get rid get rid of that baggage as soon as you can, and then reintroduce some as Nick Dance more. That's you know that's clever. I like it.
0: That's it because at the end of the day, Eugene did have a limited shelf life, and WWE should have realised this. Um, you know, ages and ages before they both well, before they never did really, because mm. um, Eugene went on for another year or so under this gimmick, and they just lost all of his heat, and just nobody really cared about him. Unfortunately, he he had this. Whole superhero gimmick for a while, and just I don't know, he just wasn't, he wasn't as over as he was. He, his time passed basically, his, his time was up in regards to being, uh, um, you know, his 15 minutes of fame was up. So yeah, and just I think that's a good way to kind of basically save Nick Dinsmore's career, but uh, unfortunately, it never happened. Um, he, he still he still wrestles these days as Eugene, and um, believe it or not. Um, in 2019, he um, you know he wrestles as Eugene, but you know he doesn't have the same character at all. He he actually he runs a, a wrestling company now in South Dakota, uh, I think. Um, I saw when I was doing my research, I saw a, a video online of um, him from earlier this year. Uh, I think it's Midwest All Pro Wrestling. Uh, that he runs when Eugene is cutting a is cutting a promo and, and heavyweight champion Rich Maxwell he's he's bleeding from the forehead and he's talking about how he's gonna he's gonna find someone to take that title off him and even if he even if it has to be Eugene himself and then he'll fire Rich Maxwell and honestly during the promo he's he's pretty terrifying uh, I'll need to make sure to post it on our social media so everyone can see it. it it makes me think of what Nick Dinsmore could have really been you know yeah. He could have been something way better than what they give him, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like that, I think this promo proves it. Like, it's it's literally from like this year, I'm pretty sure. So it's very recent. Uh, so, and he's uh, running the company now. So he's. I think it's interesting how he's how he's kept the Eugene name, uh, but you know, totally dropped the character in the indie scene because like there's there's nothing like Eugene in WWE, but he's still got the name. So obviously the guy had his fair share of drug problems which is a shame but you know
1: you know we've all been
0: there we've all been there <laughs> but you know if if he restarted his life on the independent scene, you know he could have he could have made something more of himself I mean maybe he could have found his way back to WWE as Nick Dinsmore I don't know because at the time you've got you've got TNA you've got ROH kind of making making things happen with People like Samoa Joe, CM Punk, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Steen. You know I, I don't know if he was there at that time. But, you know, you've got guys like that who I mean, Nick Dinsmore would have fitted in perfectly with Ring of Honor, like literally perfectly with Ring of Honor. That was exactly his style of wrestling back then. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, a shame. It's, it's a waste of a career, unfortunately. But Oh, well. Um, but at least it, he's
1: got his own school now so we can teach people. That's I mean, it. That, he's te- yeah. like, listen, if you ever sign for a company... And some guy comes up to you and is like, "We got an idea for your guy. What we're gonna do is, is make you mentally handicapped."
0: You turn him down. <laughs> you too, You don't go for it. You or, turn them down. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a shame, but I mean, he's yeah, he's doing well for himself. Like you said, he's got his own wrestling skill now, and he's got his own promotion, and um, he's putting out some pretty cool stuff. So
1: yeah. Plus, um, you know, like we say this, it's silly. It probably sounds silly to say, but like having that kind of exposure on TV, even with a really dumb, stupid gimmick, like, you can you can work that because you get national, you get worldwide exposure. And mm. so, like, that's why he keeps the Yuji name because that's what made him most famous. And that's what he can capitalize off and make money off. So, like, he can take the car once he's out of the company, he can take that character and tweak it, but mm. he still keep that name recognition to keep himself getting booked and stuff like that, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. I get it, but I, I don't know. I suppose that makes sense, but I just think having the having the Eugene name and totally changing the gimmick is like, you know, people are going to expect to see Eugene, not like a you know a middle aged guy shouting at somebody while bleeding from the forehead. You know, that's uh, but that's that. I don't know. That's my two cents. I, I oh, think Nick, I think Nick D- Nick Dinsmore could have made something of himself from that name in the independent scene. You know, he has the whole story that WWE made him a you know, a mentally handicapped, um, you know, character and, and ruined his career. So his redemption is to now build himself back up as a legitimate technical wrestler. And he could have had awesome matches against, like, CM Punk and Joe and, um, you know, Brian AJ Danielson Styles. and AJ Styles, Daniels, uh, Christopher Daniels, you know, all these, all these people. And, you know, he could have been one of those guys. He could have been an, a, a, yeah. one of those guys. Ring of honor, in honor yeah. And yeah. And eventually could have ended up in WWE like everyone else did, so... Um but unfortunately it was not to be not to be not to be but hey how about we do kayfabe tombola okay all right I'm so excited it's it's time for kayfabe tombola and uh, three episodes in uh, I think we've got a set of rules we can agree on right yeah. <laughs> so I've got four names and four situations, uh, randomly numbered one to four and randomly lettered A to D. Uh, Dylan here is going to give me a number and a letter. So, for example, four D or two C. Uh, I'll let him know what he has chosen. We'll then use the questionable. Random Online Storyline Generator, which will give Dylan an alternate choice if he doesn't like what the k Dumbola brings him. Dylan will then have 60 seconds to come up with the best storyline possible with one of the choices he's been given. So he's going to be given two choices, one of which he'll choose himself, one of which I'll choose for him for the from the uh, the, the storyline generator, and he chooses the one that he thinks he can make a good story out of. So, Dylan, do you want to hear the names and situations?
1: Should I pick first, and then you can tell me what I, what I could have had?
0: Um... Like let's go. Let's go through the um. I don't know. Okay. We done, we've, we've done this before. Really? I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, this is this is a way. Like whenever you do it, you go through the, the choices, and then whenever I do it, I keep them secret till you pick. So we can have like our own different ways of doing it.
0: All right. Fair enough. Um, is that fair? So yeah, we'll, fair we'll
1: do it your way. Um, sh- tell me what I, what I, what my choices are.
0: All right. So in uh, no particular order at all, we have the Gobberdy Gooker.
1: Mm-hmm. Triple H Triple A, oh gotcha, okay Steve Blackman Okay And Viscera Of course (laughs) Podcast favourite, Viscera
0: (laughs) And for situations We have, in no particular order Is given a Pokemon Master gimmick Where he has to catch Other wrestlers to build the ultimate wrestling stable
1: Please Give me that one
0: is revealed as a long-lost brother of Ric Flair. Okay. Brings back the Spirit Squad to Monday Night Raw. Mm, okay. Reveals that it wasn't really Gene Jinsnitzky's fault; it was his. Oh. Okay. So, do you All want? Right. Do, you,
1: do
0: you want to choose something from there, and I'll see what we have in the uh, the, the question? You know, yeah.
1: Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose from uh, your suggestions. However, for, for for the sake of an argument, let's just hear what the website would have given me.
0: All right, let's see. So, just, let me you know, go to this site, uh, storyline generator. So, um, so yeah. Uh, I'm going to find the this, this website. The more I go through it, the more I realise it's got very questionable morals.
1: It's, yeah, this seemed like uh, a great idea when we started it and now we're like, we cannot use a lot of these storylines. A lot
0: yeah. of them, the majority of them, to be honest. We have
1: to go through them a couple of times before we get one that's even like remotely possible. You know exactly. what I mean?
0: Exactly. So I'll, I'll find the first storyline I have which doesn't mention horrendous things. Uh, so Good let's look. Um nope can't use that can't use that
1: yeah a lot of these are un- funny as heck but unusable
0: No, can't use that
1: yeah we'll screenshot some of them and put them on the twitter too
0: yeah like i think all you have to do is log onto their website to like find out just how awful they fucking are they uh, are
1: ter- truly awful
0: yeah uh all right I might, I might start all these are all these are fucking awful all right, from from the storyline generator, which and I think this is the last time we're going to use this, to be honest. <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> but I've got um, Apollo Crews declares undying devotion to John Cena's biggest fan, and no dimes were drawn.
1: Uh no, you know what? I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with you in your okay. picks. Although right. that was a that was a decent one from that website.
0: Yeah, had had to had to do a lot of uh, searching for that to not have one that mentions you know things like. Uh, murder or you know, necrophilia. Uh, necrophilia, you know. So, um, yeah, I think um, we'll re- we we'll retire that website. <laughs> it was good for. Yeah, reference. I had a good
1: run. We did the best we could with it.
0: So right, give me give me a number. Give me a letter.
1: Uh, two, A.
0: Two A. Uh, all right. Uh, Triple H is revealed as the long lost brother of Ric Flair.
1: Oh shit!
0: All right, Dylan, you have sixty seconds. And your time starts as soon as it, I remember to brother? get one back up. Long lost brother. Long uh, lost brother. Don't, don't forget the long lost part. So Triple yeah. H is yes. is Ric Flair's long lost brother, okay. uh, and so you know make up make of that. Watch you will. So your time okay. starts. And three, two, <sighs> one, go. All
1: right. So Triple H and Ric Flair are in Evolution. They're best friends, and Ric Flair is like, "I'm your mentor." Triple H is like, "I fucking love you, buddy." Um, but let's um go to the bar and they go to the bar and they have a good time because Ric Flair loves to go to the bar. Next week on Raw, uh, Triple H is like, hey, while you were drinking, I took a little swab of some of your DNA off your glass and I got the test results back. And Ric Flair is like, what <laughs> test results? And Triple H is like, don't worry about it, but look at this, <laughs> points that. up at the Titantron. And then while Ric Flair is looking at the Titantron, it has like the display of the results the DNA results and he turns around to Triple H and Triple H pulls up his Triple H face to reveal that he's actually an old man, the same age as Ric Flair. And he's like, look, it's me, Carl Flair. It's me all along. And Ric Flair's like, what are you talking about? He's like, your mother had uh, 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 give me up for adoption, but we were actually twins. 10 seconds. And then Ric Flair's like, oh, cool. You want to go get drunk? And then Carl uh, Flair is like, heck yeah. And then that's the end of Triple H's career because he goes drinking with Ric Flair. (laughs) Ding,
0: ding, ding. (laughs) How about that? Yeah. <laughs> was that good? Was that good? It's it's as good as it it's as good as it could have been, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, you know, that Rick that was that was really hard to like uh that one was really hard to, to try and come up with on the fly.
0: Rick Fleur's like, what test result She's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that that was good. I I liked that. Thanks. Um so, shall we end this show?
1: I think so. I think this has been an action-packed, fantastic, uh, wonderful episode.
0: It's been pretty damn good. And let, let's close the book on it. So, uh, plug time. Please follow us uh, at Making kfabe on Twitter. Um, we're getting some traction now. We're three episodes in. Uh, I'm confident we've got something good going here. Um, uh, if, you've, if you've got any ideas that you'd like to be featured in the show, you can email us at makingkfabe at gmail.com. Uh, Read us on iTunes and all your favorite podcast apps. Tell all your favorite friends about us. Uh, tweet your Kayfabe Tombola storylines. Let us know if you enjoyed the episode. And most importantly, keep it Kayfabe, my friends. Heck yeah! See you later,
1: motherfucker.